Amen. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that much. Tremendous message. I'm sure I'm thankful we have a Heavenly Father that knows our need and supplies our need. Great truth. Grab your Bibles. James chapter number 4. We want to close out this passage, the end of the chapter 2. And boy, we want to continue right where we left off. And uh, even this morning, we do have some extra outlines. Maybe you weren't here this morning. We had an outline that, in our bulletin. So we have some extras. The men are coming down the front and in the middle aisle If you to the front. If you need one, we'd like to get one in your hands. So they'll turn around and just kind of get their attention if you need an outline. If you weren't in the service this morning or maybe you didn't get one this morning in your bulletin, we have a few extras. James chapter 4, we've, we've kind of dissected verses 13 through 17. We've kind of skipped around a little by little. Now we want to rest on, as you'll see, verse number 17. We've talked about disregarding the will of God. In other words, not allowing God to to be considered in the plans that I have made for my life in every part and every aspect. Now we come to this next section. You see it there on your outline, simply entitled, Disobeying the Will of God. It's just a short part. Uh, but we want to draw into it. Verse 17 is a common verse, isn't it? Notice it with me, if you will. James chapter 4, verse 17. James four seventeen. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We know it. This is a familiar verse. And yet, tonight, we want to look at it contextually. What is James specifically? What is God saying through James to you and I about this verse literally about the disobedience to the will of God. You see, if we look at scriptures as we ought to, we ought to start narrow and then work our way out. And so narrowly speaking in this passage, we must ask and we must come to the conclusion that within the confines of this passage, to do good and do it not It's to know God's will, or at least know that God has a will for my life, and yea, uh, to know what it is, but fail to seek, to learn it, and to follow it. So for me, in this verse, for us as Christians, uh, to him that knoweth to do good. In other words, we know God has a will, and many of us have searched the Scriptures to find God's will, and so we know it, we know he has a will, we know what the will is, and yet we fail to do it can also be easily uh, that we know God's will, but we choose simply not to heed it. There's a piercing truth in this verse that comes uh, shining through. The the principle is found and it's clear. Now listen to this. A young person, listen. A Christian, listen. God holds us accountable as much for what we do not do as he does for what we do. So God is holding us accountable, both in this life and the next, for as much as what we do not do, as much as what we do. Take two children, for instance, in the same home. Two different children and and siblings, and maybe they have other siblings. Two children, and one of those children, he uh, uh, gets a little angry. He's in a little tangle with a brother or with a sister. Maybe it's over an object, a toy, or maybe it's over the last dessert. And he just, boy, he just hauls off and just hits his brother or sister. Obviously, wrong, doing wrong. Mom and dad have said time and time again, you don't hit (laughs) your brother or sister. You take the other child and... 
that other child doesn't commit a sinful action. They don't commit a wrong action against a sibling or, or uh, something they do against the, the rules of God. But that child, they fail to do their chore. Mom and dad have said, okay, this is your responsibility. You need to take care of it. And yet they don't do the chore. Or they only do it haphazardly or partly. They leave it undone to some degree. In our human nature, we must be honest and we have to assess, even in the world, we are often quickly um, find ourselves um, to severely correct and punish the child that has hit or assaulted another child, their sibling. But we often minimize. We often dismiss. Uh, we often don't make that big of a deal a child that has not completed the task that they assigned. May I tell you this evening? Now, listen up, young person. May I tell you this evening, both are wrong, both are disobedience, and both deserve correction and punishment. That's where this principle is found. That's what God is saying to us in James chapter 4. He's bringing it down in verse 17 to a solemn emphasis of, wait a second, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. Because we step back and say, man, if you hit your brother or sister, boy, you're going to be in deep trouble. And we ought to take that serious. That, that's a huge offense. That's not good. That's not being kind. But can I tell you, it's just as wrong, children, for you not to do your chore. It's just as bad, just as disobedient for you not to obey mom and dad. That's what the principle is. And somehow in our human nature, we sometimes uh, belittle that. Sometimes we, we take the one and don't make it nearly as big. And yet God is here not just applying and not just saying that principle applies within the home, the children. He's saying that this applies to each one of us in following, now notice context, following and doing the will of God. So just like a child who doesn't do the will of mom or dad in doing the chore, taking out the trash, cleaning their room. Just like that, you and I as Christians, we can know God's will. We can know he has a will to follow, but we can not do it. May I tell you tonight, it's flat out disobedience. It's not doing what God wants us to do. It is acknowledging that God has a will to be followed. Likely, it is one who knows what that will is, that it's given within, at least that part that's given in Scripture, but we decidedly don't do it. We disobey. We would put it this way. Not only that, but this verse exposes the myth that God's will is optional. How many kids, don't raise your hand, how many kids would you like chores to be optional? Woohoo! Husbands, how many would you like honey-do lists to be optional, amen? Hey, it, we look at God's will sometimes, it's like, ah, it's optional. Not that big of a deal. James comes, no, 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 no. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let me ask you this. Is it good to follow God's will, yes or no? Good. Some of you weren't too slow. Good. Yes, it's a good thing to seek out God's will. Every aspect of it, the general will, the specific will for my life, it is crucial to the Christian life that we seek God's will. And if doing God's will is good, then my, and I say the rest of the verse holds just as much water and responsibility for me. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's a big deal. 
God makes it a big deal. It's not optional. We, we can't choose to accept or reject with little consequence the will of God. This verse affirms that, excuse me, yep, this verse affirms that it is not an option, but we would say an obligation. We cannot take it or leave it. We are His creation. We are created to do His good pleasure, the Bible tells us. He is our Lord and Savior. We are His children and servants, and so we must obey Him. Whatever the aspect of God's will is, whether it be the clear instructions of Scripture for all of us or the specific revealed will God has for your life, to not follow it, to not do what God wills us to do is nothing short of sin. So we start with this understanding. Now, wait a second. If I know what God's will is and I don't do it, to me, it is sin. So we've got to all agree what James says is true. To him that knoweth the good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Then if we come and we all agree, and frankly, whether you and I agree with it or not, God's word still stands, by the way. But as we come to acknowledge and embrace the truth, that okay, if I know what's right to do and what's good, and I don't do it, then it's sin unto me. Then we can move to the next step of discovering and doing the will of God. And so it is. Look at verse 15 with me, if you will. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So you see it there, Romans 3, discover and do the will of God. It speaks of not just saying the words, though I think it's, it's good that it ought to cross our lips often. Because what we say is a great reminder. So it's good for us to say, if God wills, if it's the Lord's will, it's good for us to pray that will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray according to his will. But it goes certainly much deeper than just saying the words. It expresses the idea that you and I are to be discovering and following and doing the will of God. Now think, follow this reasoning that we derive. Okay, if, and we certainly know this to be true, if his will is perfect, then his will is the only plan for my life. Now notice that we've studied this. That takes into consideration the brevity of life, the uncertainty and mystery of tomorrow, and it's laid out by the only one who knows and orders the future, which includes my future. Now, if all that is the case, and we've seen it from Scripture, it is the case, then it must be the only will that is giving free rule and reign in my life. So as we have concurred and, and really concluded, God's will is the only one that takes all of those things into account. He has seen it. He's seen it all. He knows it all. He's created it all. And so therefore, it is His will that brings all of this to play. So we need to give His will free rule and reign. So therefore, my will and all others fall terribly short of that description and the right to rule in my life and the decision-making process. Okay, so if we've narrowed it down, okay, God's will is the only will that, that I should follow, that I should uh, yield my life to. If that's the case, what do we know about God's will? How is it described in Scripture? Well, can I tell you, and this is the encouraging part, I think, God's will is an extension of His heart. God's will is an extension of His heart. The will of God comes from where? Well, the heart and mind of God. The very heart we see expressed in Scripture. His will is that expression of His love. 
We don't have to dread God's will because it comes from God's heart. That's full of love for you and I. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to regret following. Why? Because we know the heart of God. His love for you and I, it's spelled throughout all the Scriptures. It's spelled out. He wants to bestow. Well, number one, we know that He works all things together for our good. We know He wants to bestow blessings and gifts upon us. We understand that the Bible says He takes pleasure in us. That the Creator of all creation still blows my mind. That He takes pleasure in you and I. That the simple things we can do in obedience to Him, He takes pleasure in. Now let me ask you this. How big and expansive and vast and permeating is God's love for us? Well, I know that the Scriptures, as you well do, the Scriptures say nothing will separate us from the love of God. The depth, the degree, the the extent of God's love, the vastness is, is amazing. Now listen to me. Take that very love that emanates from the heart of God. And can I tell you, the very will of God that emanates from the very same heart of God His will for us is just as big. It's just as expansive. It's just as vast. It's just as permeating every detail of our lives. Because it comes from His heart. He is a God of wisdom. He is a God of love. Whose will is a perfect orchestration of the life that is best for you and me. Some Christians... Some people shy away from seeking and following God's will for the life because they think they have a misconception that it will be misery. Now listen, if you tonight, hey, young person, you're scared to death to yield your life to God. You're scared to death to be sold out for Him. And you're scared to death to say, wait a second, I want to follow Him with every ounce of my being, all my might, all my strength, all my heart, and all my mind. Because you're scared to death that God's will will not bring happiness. It will not bring joy. It will not bring misery. My friend, you you don't have just a wrong perception of God's will. You have a wrong perception of God's love. Because His will flows from His heart, which is full of love for you. And therefore, if His will flows from the same place that His love that is immeasurable for you, my friend, there will be nothing better for you than to follow God's will. And you will be able to taste the goodness of the Lord. You'll taste and see that He is good. Don't deceive yourselves. Misery is your companion when you disobey God's will not when you obey it. If the greatest experience of joy, now catch this, let's, let's use our, our minds first. Let's reason together as the Bible says. Come now and let us reason together. If the greatest experience of joy is found in the love of God, then by existen, uh, extension, excuse me, the greatest exi- experience of joy in my life today and in the future will be found in the will of God. So if the greatest joy to ever be experienced is only found in the love of God, well, my friend, how you do that today and tomorrow and the days to come is to find yourself smack dab in the middle of God's will. That's where you'll find abundant life. That's where you will find joy. He is the maestro of life. We ought to follow his lead. 
It is like Brother Dan Perry leading an orchestra, Brother Aaron leading a choir. You're following the director, the one who knows the music, who's guiding and directing. But in this case, it is God. He's written the music. He can play it and sing it perfectly. He knows it by memory. He knows what measure is coming next. He knows where the end of the song is. And all you have to do and all I have to do is sit back and follow the director. Allowing his will to dictate what I do. And therein is great joy. Hey, David understood it. He grasped it. He said this, Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Mm. Delight to do thy will. He said this, Psalm 143, 10, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Teach me to do thy will. As his will is an extension of his heart love. Now listen, so my obedience to the will of God must be an extension of my heart. It must flow from my heart. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6. As the servants of Christ, doing what? The will of God, where? From the heart. That's dealing in the context, if you remember Ephesians chapter 6, submitting to authority. But it is nonetheless a great principle for all of us in servants of Christ in whatever position and place we find ourselves in life, you and I are to do the will of God where from the heart. So it's a great reminder that God's will is an extension of his heart, a heart full of love, and our obedience to God's will should be an extension from our heart. Certainly a heart of love for him. Love of God constraineth me. So it ought to be. Now, finally, you see it, letter B. Okay, God's will is an extension of his heart. God's will is not hidden or hard defined. God's will is not hidden or hard defined. You know, when people think or they say God's will is hard to discover, I just, can't, I just don't know what God's will is. I just can't find it. It's too hard to know. Can I tell you, nothing could be truly Um, and in reality could be the furthest thing from the truth my heart breaks to hear christians saying they don't know god's will for their life or for some decision that lies ahead so let's answer that question about how to know the will of god how is it that we have taken something in some sense so simple we made it more complex Well, let's simplify it again by scriptures. First of all, we have to understand that there is more. Now listen to this. There is more than enough of God's revealed, known, general will given to us to take up all of our time and attention in this life. So if I just simply start with the will of God that I know thus far, it will take up most of my life. So if God did not reveal anything else beyond what he has revealed right now in this moment through his word, can I tell you, we have more than a lifetime of time and attention to give it. Take us that long, more so. Yet, let me give you you a sampling. Okay, you see it there in your outline. The first one here, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Okay, immediately we know this. This is one I referenced this morning. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 4, for sake of time. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So immediately we find out we're confronted with this very beginning of God's will. God's will and desires for all men to be saved. We know that. That's, that's where it starts. Come to a relationship with him. It's God's will for all men to be saved. Okay, then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Notice this. Wherefore, be 
ye not unwise, note it, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then we know verse 18 well. So he doesn't want us to not know what the will is. And he goes on to explain it, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so immediately we're confronted that God's will is for all believers not to be spirit-filled. Not filled like you fill a cup, but controlled. Controlled. Dominated by the Spirit. Controlled in our actions. That uh, The idea is to be spirit-controlled or disciplined in our words and in our actions and reactions. That the Holy Spirit is directing, guiding helping us spirit controlled for instance forgive me i I'm, i'll probably butcher the um example but i can't help but thinking of it uh, maybe at a fair and and i i've seen a few and the 4-h shows and things and and maybe when someone's bringing in a dog or specifically 4-h maybe a pig I, i've seen that where uh, a young lady has just a stick and there's this huge mound of, uh, of bacon uh coming on four legs and ham okay that's all i can see in them anyway uh, and and she's just using this little stick and she's just she's just guiding and directing keeping him going where where uh, he, she wants him to go. And a little nudge here, a little touch here. You take any kind of animal, it's much the same way. You can guide and direct, whether it be a leash for a dog or whatever the case is. And There's just a little bit of discipline going on, a little bit of correction here and there, just all along and keeping them on the path that, that she wants the pig to go. Can I tell you, it ought to be, for us as Christians, the Holy Spirit every day is going a little bit like this and a little bit like this and disciplining us here and correcting us here and keeping us on the path we ought to go. That is God's will for us. Now you tell me, how often do we falter? We don't allow the Holy Spirit to do that, or if He's doing it, He's having to hit harder. <laughs> and I've seen that, right? The pig's stuck on the thing, keep going, <laughs> and uh, wants to win a ribbon or whatever. And Some of us are like that with the Holy Spirit. We don't allow Him to discipline us. That's Spirit-filled to guide us and direct us, to correct us, to help us to be what we are. Hey, then I like this one, 4 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. And I know I'm going to read a lot to you, but you can look it up later. Use it for your devotions this week. It starts out this way. For this is the will of God. You remember this? Even your, you remember what the next word is? Sanctification. Man, it's a great statement. He says this, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And then he goes on that no man go beyond defraud his brother in any manner because of the Lord, that, uh, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Now listen to verse 7. For God hath not called us into uncleanness, but unto holiness. So what's he saying? If we're saying, and he says it. Paul says, listen, God's will. Here's what you know. Hey, I want to know God's will for my life. Here it is. Sanctification. <laughs> be saved. Be spirit-filled. Be sanctified. What does sanctification mean? Well, we know it's set apart, transformed. It's the transformation of each one of us from vessels of dishonor to vessels of honor. And I like this one. We are changed from pictures of corruption to glimpses of holiness. We are changed from pictures in our depraved nature, from pictures of corruption as the Holy Spirit works and we come into the very likeness of Christ. We are changed into pictures of holiness. 
Man, I like that thought, don't you? That's God's will. That in this life, I'm being changed and He's working on me. We, we sing the little song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And so it is. He is. He's changing and working in our lives. Now, just taking that, if it's God's will for us to be sanctified, changed from a vessel of dishonor to a vessel of honor, for me to be changed from a, a, a picture of corruption to a glimpse of holiness, I don't know about you, but that sure is a lot to work on. Amen? That sure is a lot of His known will that I can take and say, okay, I need to work on this. Oh, but there's more. First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Notice it. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Uh, do well. Verse 15, notice the statement. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know what God's will is for you and I is to submit. We could look at many other passages, and it just isn't the government officials, but all those that are in authority to you. It is God's will for submission. A young person, you want to know God's will for your life? Submit to parents. Submission. Submit to teacher. Submit to you, pastor. Submit to all authorities in your life. Oh, but I want to know what God wants for my life and, and what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. Submit. Submit. Let's not get ahead of God. Let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's take care of the things that God has already told us in his word to do. Here's God's will. Submit. All of us, employers to employees, anyone that's in authority over us, we are called to submit. To live submissive lives as it becomes the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he put here, that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Hmm. First Peter 3.17. Notice what he says here. For it is better if the will of God be so. Hmm. That ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. 2 Timothy 3.12. We know this well. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is God's will for you and I to live godly lives, so therefore it is His will at times for you and I to suffer persecution for it. It is. Yea, and all those that will live godly shall suffer persecution. He obviously wants us to live godly. Uh, the Scriptures are clear on that. And even there in Peter, he says, it'll be occasionally the will of God. If it be the will of God, then suffer for doing right, not for doing wrong. So be it. Persecution. Then this one's appropriate tonight, isn't it? First Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give. Good. Even our kids got it, right? In everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. Huh. You talking, you're saying God's showing us that it's his will for us just to be thankful? He's going that small? Because normally we think, well, the will of God. That's who I should marry. What I should do with my life. Where I should move. And what... Can I tell you, the will of God starts a lot smaller than that. He wants you and I to be thankful people. He wants us to have what is commonly phrased the attitude or the gratitude attitude. To be grateful. What is the character of the gratitude attitude? Well, now listen, because this is where it steps on some of our feet, especially as adults. It means it rules out complaining. It rules out whining. It rules out discontentment. And then all of a sudden it gets quiet, amen? 
if we're going to be thankful, and that's the will of God, man, by nature, by character, it's going to rule out some things that if we get in our flesh, what happens? We whine. We complain. It's too hot in here. And this person says, it's too cold in here. It's too dark. It's too loud. It's too this. Isn't that fun? Try being the guy who has to adjust the thermostat and the lights and everything else. Amen. But we can complain about everything. We can get discontent about Why? If we're not thankful. And what is it God's will? Well, you need to make sure that everybody else is right. So complain about it till they get right. That's not God's will. You know what God's will is for you and I? In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. If you look hard enough, every single one of us can find something to be thankful for. Choir saying what? Count your many blessings. I sure hope there's no choir member as they were singing, count your many blessings. I don't like this song. <laughs> that wouldn't go well, would it? Be thankful. Giving thanks continually. We could go on and on. There's many other snippets of God's word that present his will in the pages that we could state it and go on and on for all these different perspectives of what is god's will i'm sorry that was thankful we could list millions more probably but to suffice it to say that the general will of god which applies to all of us and is found in god's precious word my friend it is not hidden and it is not hard to know our children, I'm so grateful for our Sunday school teachers. They teach our children the Word of God. They teach them verses and the instructions, the very will of God, so that they too at an early age can know what God wants. See, it's all through. It's not hard. It's not hidden. And don't forget what Ephesians 6, 6 said. Do it from the heart. It's doing God's will from the heart. Now listen carefully and we're done. Let's get to God's specific will. His personal will for each one of us individually. It's part of His will for each of our lives, and yet it's not given within the Scriptures specifically. Let me give you an instance. There was no time in my life I was kind of looking through the Bible. I was having my devotions, and I said, Lord, it's got to be here somewhere. I know it is. I, I've got to find it. I, I, oh, there it is. And I never read this verse. Stephen Henry, thou shalt take the young maiden called Erica Marcello to be thy happily wedded wife for the rest of thy days of thy sojourn upon this earth. Hey, there it is. God's will. Woohoo! Hezekiah 3.1. I found it. God never said that. It's not there. If you find it, let me know because that's a little scary. But I do know this. It's God's will for me. It was God's will for me. 16 years ago for me to wary erica marcello many years a few years before that i never found a verse that said i have called thee stephen henry to serve me as a, a preacher of my truth for the rest of your life i never found that verse but can i tell you many years ago i knew that it was god's will for me to serve him full time in christian ministry to preach his word I didn't come by that, by, by finding that verse and, and God speaking to me. He didn't appear in my room or, or anything. That did not happen. But I sure do know that he has a specific will. So how do you and I, how do we know and discover God's perfect will for me in my individual life beyond what is found in the scriptures? Well, here's the good news. Can I tell you, and especially our young people, God's will is specific to your life. 
He has a general will, which is for everybody. It's found in scriptures. We've seen just a, a handful of those truths. And yet, there's a specific will that God has for us. Hey, God had a specific will for my life. God had a specific will for Brother Aaron. You would not want me to be a music pastor, amen, okay? That's not God's will for me. So it's a specific will for me, not for someone else. So it's specific for me. So how do we know it? Here's a step-by-step way to know God's will for your life. Decisions that are to be made, things that come up that you have to decide on because that happens. Number one, we ought to start with what you know. Start with what you know. 2 Timothy 2.15, you know it well. Study to show thyself approved within God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, now listen to this, young person especially, you're a you're, you're teenager, you're a college and career, you're, uh, maybe even an adult, you're facing a difficult decision and you're trying to determine God's will. Let me remind you this, never forget that revelation starts with obedience. Revelation starts with you obeying what is already revealed, what he's already given you. The more you obey, the more God guides and directs and reveals. So get to work on what you know is God's general and specific will for you today. Study God's Word. Hide God's Word in your heart. Obey authorities. Be sanctified. Be spirit-filled. Honor and respect those to whom honor and respect is due. Fulfill the Great Commission. Exhort the brethren. Be a healthy part of the local church. Now listen to me. Listen to me very careful. Hey, young person, look, look up this way. If you're a young person and of whatever age it is and you are not married, you do not know the occupation that God wants to spend the rest of your life doing. Listen to me and listen to me carefully. Do not take me out of context. Do not misquote me. But I want to tell you something. God does not care nearly as much who you will marry as he does for you being godly. He does not care nearly as much for what you do with the rest of your life as to whether you're godly today. You see what we do sometimes? We make this the big will of God. Who am I going to marry? And we get consumed and we get so worried. We get so caught up with who am I going to marry? Who's that person? That we sometimes neglect what we already know to be God's will. And I'll tell you, my friend, God cares more about you being godly than he does who you marry. He does. Because this is what he knows. The more godly you are, the better husband or wife you'll be when you get married. He's working on preparing you to be the right person. Don't worry about finding the right person. That will come. You take care of being the right person by following God's will. And he doesn't care near as much about what you're going to do with the rest of life. But what if he wants me to go in the ministry? What if he wants me to be a lawyer? He wants me to be a policeman. He wants, hey, that's all fine and dandy. God will reveal it at a certain time. It's a big deal. It's important. But right now, God wants you to be a godly young person. That's the most important thing for him. And it ought to be the most important thing for you right now now so you know what we need to do in searching out god's will and this is so very difficult for people start with what you know how am i doing right now with the will that's revealed to me in god's word how am i doing right now with what god has already shown me about my specific will do all the things those things the bible says that we looked at a moment ago because our god is faithful especially to those who are faithful to him and his word notice this number two quickly uh, confirm what you suspect confirm what you suspect 
So start with what you know, then confirm what you suspect through counsel of God's word and godly Christians, and then pursue it. The Holy Spirit, as he begins to work through God's word and the preaching of it, get in God's word more to confirm what is on your heart, the desires you have, how and where you believe the Lord is leading you. I remember being called and, and, and called to preach. It didn't start out with just that one thing. No, it started out with a desire in my heart that God just kept fanning the flames. And through his word, through the Holy Spirit, he, he just increased and he built and he opened doors. And so you you confirm what you suspect and you allow him to open doors and you follow him. Can I tell you? You ought to share it with God-fearing believers. Those who are following God's will already in their lives and seek their counsel and advice. It starts, number one, with parents. Then you go to your youth pastor. You go to your pastor. You find other godly Christians. Not just peers, but older saints who are faithful, who know God. And you take and glean the wisdom that is present. We know what the scripture. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The scriptures say it well. See the verses there. I know it's small. Romans twelve two. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the word of God. The counsel of the word of God is the greatest counsel you can have. So renew your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Then Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And I've warned you before, I'll warn you again, especially young people, but everyone. You just don't go seek counsel of someone who will tell you what you know they'll tell you. <laughs> what you want to hear. You, you don't go just find somebody who you know. What, I already know what they're going to say, so I'll go ask them. <clears throat> Wrong. Go find a godly person who loves you enough to tell you what God's will is and how you should pursue it. To give you godly counsel, even though it may hurt, because faithful are the wounds of a friend. The Bible tells you and I to confront one another when necessary. Then you begin to pursue it. You pursue the Lord within the parameters of what has been confirmed through counsel, what has been advised through God's word. Begin walking through the open doors. This is the great truth. Now look at this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding okay now the next verse comes to bear in the will of god he says this in all thy ways so in your life acknowledge god by doing the will of god in every way possible what you know do it acknowledge that he is sovereign that he is the master acknowledge him in all thy ways and bada bing bada boom praise god he shall direct thy paths that Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us as we, as we trust in Him. As we don't lean on our own understanding. Well, this is really what I want. This is, this is how I think it ought to. No, no, no. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And what? He shall direct thy paths. Man, what a great promise. And it's dealing with His will. He will show us and guide us and direct us. Man, I love that truth. The first part of this verse is my responsibility. And the second, his promise. And if anything goes wrong with that, and if we know that he never fails, then the obvious conclusion is if I can't grasp what God's will is for me or my life, then I have faltered in my responsibility. 
someone comes in and hey pastor i i just can't I, I just don't know what god's will is for this part of my life i just don't know what in this decision or or this next step in my life i don't know what god wants they don't like it but the first question i always ask how are you doing with what god has already revealed well, I don't have my devotions, and I'm not really witnessing, and, and boy, I'm having this issue with this brother and sister in Christ. Hey, my friend, God doesn't direct and guide your path forward. He go, tells you to go backward and fix it. So God may put up a nice wall here to the next step in your life until you go back and take care of what you've already been assigned to do by the will of God. And boy, some, some of us are good. We just bang our heads against this wall. I want to know God's will. I want to know God's will. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Do, do, do. Hey, turn around, genius. Notice what God has already given you. Notice what God has already shown and revealed. Let's get to work on that because you know what happens? We get so immersed. We allow this part of God's word to permeate our lives. All of a sudden, that wall comes tumbling down. And all of a sudden, whoa, God's leading. What is he doing? Directing my steps every step of the way. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He'll do it. He'll guide and direct us. Number three. I like this one too. Wait on the Holy Spirit to guide and to grant peace. Mm. Wait on the Holy Spirit to guide. That's opening and closing doors. I'm a big believer of this. That God will, in response, and the Holy Spirit will open doors and close doors for us as we pursue it. And then as he does, he'll grant peace. John 16, 13. Howbeit, notice this, it's a great statement. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you, notice it, into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And notice this, he will show you things to come. We understand from that verse and others, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit, one of his main roles is to guide us into all truth. Notice it, the truth of God's word, but also the truth of God's will. He's going to guide us. And then furthermore, not only will he guide us, um, but the Holy Spirit, he says, will show you things, things to come, things in the future. Now we look at that and say, oh, okay, the Holy Spirit's going to show us what Revelation says. Well, can I tell you, Revelation already says what Revelation says. Holy Spirit can help us to understand that. Now, there'll be other things in the future concerning the world that the Holy Spirit may give us understanding. But I'll tell you this, my friend. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to show you about the future? Your future. Your will. He will guide us into all truth. He will show us things to come. He's going to help you and I to understand what God's will is for us in the future. I share I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, aren't you? Boy, that he gives us direction and guidance and he shows us. Uh, it's a beautiful thought. He is going to be the one that is in us and goes before us, opening doors, guiding us all along the way uh, in the path that God has ordained for our lives. God promises the confirmation. He'll give us a confirmation of the Spirit's guiding us all along the path of his will. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Notice it. Let your requests be made known unto God. Can that be? God, what's your will for this? You better believe it can be. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So pray about God's will let your requests be made known unto God. And then as you follow the Spirit's leading down that path through open doors and, and turning around at closed doors, you will experience the peace that passes all understanding. 
and peace that confirms for you that you are smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. Now, can I tell you, many of us could stand to give testimony to the peace of God that we have found in the middle of God's will. They're just knowing I'm following God, and yes, there's storms, yes, there's problems, yes, there's troubles and trials and heartaches and sorrows, but praise be to God, I know I'm in the middle of God's will because the Holy Spirit led me here, and I have a peace in the midst of a storm that passes all understanding. And it's a peace that correlates, confirms the will of God. And then what we might call the final litmus test, notice it, and sure, now this seems obvious, but young person, sometimes I, I see some folks making some decisions in life that don't match up to this. Hey, you ought to ensure that whatever decision you make, direction you take, you ought to ensure that it will promote and secure the glory for God. Every decision in your life, every direction you take, you ought to ensure that it will promote and secure glory for God. We know 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. There is nothing, now listen, there is nothing here this evening, there is nothing that will ever be found in the will of God that does not bring glory to God. Nothing. You can't say, well, I believe this is God's will, and yet the very thing you're talking about will go against the glory of God. It ain't so. It ain't so. That's not His will. Whatever decision you are facing, whatever direction in life you are contemplating, if there is a possibility, if there's an option that does not bring God glory, then you should dismiss that decision, that, that answer to the decision, that direction immediately. It has no part in your life as a Christian. If it does not bring glory to God. If it does not have a clear and an obvious avenue by which to bring God glory in it and through it, then it's not for you, Christian. It's not God's will. If God's glory is the ultimate end goal for everything in my life, as the Bible says it should be, then God's will in every aspect of it for my life, now listen, will promote and secure glory for God. And so that's the final test. All right, I'm ready to make my decision. I, I, I have taken, I, I've gone with what I know. I have sought and, and understood counsel from God and His Word. I, I've confirmed what I suspected. Then I have looked to the Holy Spirit. He's guided me. He's directed me. And I think I have peace. And, and honestly, by then we should have it pretty well down. But we've got to make sure that the final take it or leave it question, does it promote and secure glory for God? You know, as we think about this, this uh, the concept and teaching of God's will is not an abstract thought in the believer's life. But can I tell you the idea, the thought, the, the teaching of the will of God is a crucial part of God's omniscient plan for your life and for mine. And that will must be discovered, it must be followed, and it must be lived out to the glory of God. Why? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is... Why did we spend three messages on the will of God? Because I think God takes it pretty serious. And whether it be the general will of God's will, word, or if it means and refers to the specific will for your life, it demands obedience. Not, op not optional, it's an obligation. Can I put it this way? And I promise, we are done with this slide. You and I need to make sure that God and His will impact and inform 
every plan we take, excuse me, every plan we make, and every step we take. His will ought to impact and inform every plan we make and every step we take. And then you know what we'll be able to say? To God be the glory. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and thank you for this passage. And boy, Father, the truths that it holds and the many nuggets of good truth and principles. Father, thank you for it. And Lord, I pray for everyone here. Lord, we all need this. Father, we, we need to be reminded in some ways. We need to be confronted in other ways with your will, how to decipher it when it's maybe hidden a little bit and for our personal specific will. But Father, we need to get back to your general will. Lord, I pray for some young people tonight that have been wrestling with the big decisions of life. And yet, Father, your Holy Spirit, you've been telling them, hey, get back to what I've already shown you in my word. Lord, may they respond with obedience tonight. May they turn those future decisions over to you. And then, Father, may they come to you and ask for wisdom and strength to follow what you've already shown in your word. Lord, there's some of us as adults. We have difficult decisions ahead of us. And Father, we've neglected some of these steps. I I pray we'd go back and, Lord, follow your word and take these things to heart and allow them to play out. And Father, I pray for some decisions we've made without you. May we go back and solicit your input so that every plan we make, every step we take in this life would be impacted by your will. And Father, it would be informed by your perfect will. Help us tonight. Lord, I pray even in this invitation that we come before you seeking your will in all manner of ways. Father, may it find some of us confessing our sin because we knew what to do, but we didn't do it. And Father, you said it was sin. So may we confess that. And we go back and turn it over to you and ask you for forgiveness that you have freely offered. Lord, I pray as we leave this place in just a few moments that you would gain the glory and the honor from the lives that we live this week because we live them according to your will. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium.